The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I'm not going to waste any time. Let me introduce my good friend and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California. Steve, what is going on, brother? Nothing much. Just got done having dinner with the missus and uh, sitting here with my cat demanding some attention. So, uh, you know, a lot to talk about over the weekend. You know, just a little manner of the Champions League final. Mm -hmm, Totally. And uh, I should probably apologize to the fans. I know we were supposed to do this yesterday, but the, the the bad weather in my area pose a significant risk of uh, the power cutting out, so I didn't want to risk you know, us being one second away from being done, and then all of a sudden, the Wi-Fi cuts out and all the data's gone, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this post-Champions League, well, I'll be honest, my, my pick, I did pick Chelsea to win, and I actually somehow got the prediction right, but man, what a game. Yeah, really good game, uh, much... Much more interesting game this time around compared to the last All-English final two years ago when Liverpool beat Tottenham um, in a match that uh, Liverpool fans happy with this result, but uh, not really great uh, on style points. This game, lots of offense. Uh, you know, it was a fairly fairly open uh, attacking game. Uh, Big surprise for me was um, Pep Guardiola holding out Bernardino out of his midfield. Uh, I mean, sitting your captain and probably your best defensive midfielder. I mean, he was really kind of the the spine of that midfield, and um, I think the move backfired. I don't even know what to say, but I just really had the feeling that Chelsea was somehow going to pull it off, and you know. And there's one player that really has to be talked about. I mean, the man of the match himself, N'Golo Conte. I mean, dude, this dude is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, three consecutive man of the match awards, both times against Real Madrid in the semifinals and then against against Manchester City in the Champions League final. I mean, this dude is, he's in his prime. I mean, the, the dude, I mean, the sky's the limit for the dude. I mean, he, <laughs> just Conte a- was just Thing through you know really throughout the Champions League, Conte has been simply wonderful, and uh, 
his talents were on display in Porto against a very loaded Manchester City team who had to be feeling pretty confident given the style points that they showed in dispatching PSG in the semifinals. You know, as far as Manchester City goes, I mean, based on how the game went, I mean, they were just totally overwhelmed by a motivated, fearless, and just ready-to-play Chelsea squad. It, it took one it took one blunder by the defense and a, and a bad blunder by the goalkeeper to put Chelsea in the front, and Chelsea never relinquished that. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Mason Mount's pass that opened up uh, Havertz, it was a slide rule perfect pass, and uh, Havertz, the German, was able to, to round uh, Ederson and put the ball away into an empty net. It was a great goal, a uh, wonderful vision on it. And um, Man City came close a couple of times. There was some desperate defending uh, that were able to, to keep the blank sheet. Um, I think the big thing for City was uh, when they lost De Bruyne halfway through the second half. Uh, that was really one of the big key points of the match as well. He uh, had a collision with Rudiger. Rudiger got yellow carded uh, on the foul. And um, the Belgian ended up with a busted nose and a fractured orbital bone. So... There's, he's saying that he's still planning on playing for Belgium in the Euros. Uh, how effective he's going to be after that, it's hard to say. But, uh, you know, De Bruyne was really having pretty minimal impact in the game. And um, I, think, I think Guardiola rolled the dice thinking that by having Fernandinho sitting down for the match and then going with a fairly offensive lineup. Uh, I think he thought that that would uh, throw a curveball at Thomas Tuchel and um, didn't seem to do it. I mean, I think most people would say that the German outcoached uh, Guardiola in this final. And in fact, this is the third time that Tuchel has taken the measure of the Spaniard. It's just safe to say Thomas Tuchel has Pep Guardiola's number, period, done. And, you know, for me, it's... Unfortunately, in Pep Guardiola's case, you know, he took a high-risk gamble, and unfortunately for him, it didn't go his way. But and speaking of the whole thing with Kevin De Bruyne, I got to ask you, should that have been a straight red card? No, I think the yellow was appropriate. Uh, it was a hard challenge, to be sure, and the referee called it as such. Um, I didn't think it was a red myself, but it was most decidedly a yellow. Uh, Spanish referee agreed the the yellow card was there and um, you know I, I I just don't think it was a red in my opinion I know that Roberto Martinez the Belgian manager he has been screaming foul uh, pretty much ever since Saturday uh, he was livid about it but I think he's probably more upset you know that his arguably his best player, you know, might be at a diminished status for Belgium for the Euros. But uh, but no, it's it's not like the referee missed it. I think, you know, he saw the foul and he gave the yellow. Yeah, I, I agree. And 
it was definitely something ugly. I mean, but sometimes that's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, I mean, the injury uh, is an acute uh, nose fracture, and then he has a uh, broken orbital, orbital bone in his left eye. And according to The Athletic, he's likely to miss uh, Belgium's opening game, but he's not officially ruled out for the entire tournament. I mean, you know, just like you said, Robert uh, Martinez, you know, has every right to be upset and be scared because Kevin De Bruyne is arguably Belgium's golden child at the moment. And and we've yeah. talked about this before. I mean, the current golden generation, the Euro 2020, is probably the final chance to winning anything. It's a big chance for them. But, uh, but Man City, frankly, had uh, disappointing performances. Going again... Did not have a great game. Sterling did not have a very good game at all. You know, I mean, how much of it was Sterling playing poorly, and how much was it a question of Reese James having a really strong game until he was substituted? Um, and then um, they brought Aguero on towards the end of the game, and uh, it's unfortunate that Aguero's final performance with this club that he's served with such distinction. Um, you know, he wasn't able to to lift the Champions Cup, so it's it's too bad. I mean, you still can't say you still can't say that it was a failure season. I mean, they still won a double, they still won the League Cup, and they won the, the they won the EPL title right now. So uh, so not bad, uh, but um, I do think though, for a lot of fans, given how loaded that lineup is. And, um, you know, they just, they, they weren't at their best. They, they looked a shell of themselves on against how well they played against PSG. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the last we've got to talk about the Champions League is Captain America himself came in and played in the game. He's officially the first American to play in a Champions League final. And he almost scored a goal. I mean, to be honest, I think he, he definitely should have scored. That goal, that goal should have gone, that ball should have gone in. Yeah. Uh, it was one that I think he probably would have liked. Um, but, uh, you know, he was actually on the field. Uh, he was on the substitute bench to start with, came in in the second half. Uh, he's the second American to win a Champions League medal. Jovan Karofsky won a Champions League medal for Borussia Dortmund when they won a Champions League title back in the 90s. But he didn't actually get a chance to play in that final for Dortmund, whereas at least Pulisic had a chance to play in this game. That was good, and congratulations to Christian Pulisic. You know, a lot of pride for American soccer, and you know, and as of late, I mean, there's just so there's so many of them playing in Europe, and and this season, a lot of American players actually got some hardware. So, so it's ho- a pretty hopefully impressive it works list. out well. Yeah. Pretty impressive list, and um, you know, great for Conte, great for Olivier Giroud, uh, who's certainly been a, a very good servant at Chelsea as well. Uh, not sure what his future is going to be. Uh, don't know how much if he, if he's going to come back for Chelsea next year. I mean, his minutes really took a hit after Tuchel took over. So, um, so I don't know, but I mean, he's still. Still, still gets the gets a chance to have a Champions League medal. Mm-hmm. So at least 
his acc- list of accolades will include the Champions League. I mean, Giroud now has the World Cup title, the Europa League title, and now the Champions League title. And actually, I have a, I have an answer to your question. He's actually linked with a move to AC Milan, so I, I think that move is likely to happen. I mean, for in my case, I don't care where he goes as long as he gets a, a significant, significant amount of playing time because, you know, it's ridiculous that he's not playing at all. I mean, to be honest, it's unfair. Well, I mean, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches with what Chelsea has to work with as far as their their forwards. I mean, Werner definitely gets the gets a lot of the playing time. He, he shows great speed and he has so much promise, but you know he doesn't really cash in uh, on his on his chances. Whereas Giroud, when he gets his chances, he usually usually puts them away. Exactly, and that's why he was called upon to be on the national team for Euro 2020. So anyway, things things first. And before we uh, get to the next subject, I want to give a shout-out to our boys, uh, Joe and uh, uh, Mever and uh, Zach Westrick. Uh, they actually had their show, uh, The Send Network, today, and they had their uh, views on uh, the Champions League final. And I know that a lot of you loyal listeners love hearing me, and I would strongly advise you, you guys to... Go check out their show as well. You can DM me on Twitter. I can send you the link. Their show's amazing as well. Zach, Joe, you guys keep up the good work, all right? But anyway, so moving on, now we have to get to Real Madrid. And it didn't take long for Real Madrid to find their next guy because just last week, Zinedine Zidane announced that he was, well, he announced it a a while back, but it was official. Zidane once again left, uh, left Spain, but this time... Well, it was it was far from from being on good terms. Yeah, this one was kind of a a little bit messier breakup compared to the the first time when he quit. I mean, according to ESPN, his decision to quit was apparently due to quote a lack of trust, and another source said that that he found out that, or he he was told that the club apparently had quote no no more faith in him. So so he felt like, well, then I shouldn't be here. Well, and now Carlo Ancelotti comes back. He leaves Everton, and he comes back to Real Madrid, where he coached for two years from 2013 to 2015. Uh, he was only at Goodison Park for a whopping 18 months. Uh, Everton faded really badly down the stretch this year. Um, they played some very entertaining ball at times, but they were terribly inconsistent. Tenth place finish, and... Um, you know, when a club like Real Madrid comes calling, it's it's pretty enough, pretty tough to, to turn down that opportunity. It really is. But what's surprising to me, Steve, is that back in February, Carlo Ancelotti expressed his desire to stay with Everton for, quote, as long as possible. So I don't know what Los Blancos did. I mean, you know, obviously the, they, they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Because, you know, he reconsidered and, you know, and it didn't take long for the decision to be made because early this morning, as I think when the rumors were really at the top, like it was trending on Twitter and then not long after it was confirmed. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's very sad that his spell with Everton didn't go well, didn't go well at all. But I honestly just believe that in, in Carlo Ancelotti's case, his management style, his style of soccer does not fit the environment of, uh, of the English Premier League. 
that's honestly, that's merely my opinion. But, you know, regardless, Carlo Ancelotti is one of the greatest managers of all time. You know, he's only one of three guys to win the Champions League three times. I mean, the dude's, you know, no, without argument, he's the GOAT of Italian managers. I mean, the, the resume speaks for itself. It's unbelievable. And I honestly believe Real Madrid's the best place for him because he has to rectify how his previous stint ended. Because after he won the Champions League in 2014, things went down in an instant. So in his case, he needs to go back and make things right. Well, the main success that he had during his 18 months at Everton is uh, Everton got their first win over Liverpool at Anfield, first time since 1999. But I think most people will agree, especially with given how great Everton looked coming out of the blocks for this 2021 season, that the 10th place finish was uh, a massive disappointment. But um, I think this now makes five managers in four years at Everton. So um, it'll be interesting to see who Everton goes to next as far as a manager. You know, the one rumor that I've heard, you know, and it would be very interesting, uh, certainly as a Liverpool fan, Steven Gerrard had phenomenal success in rebuilding Glasgow Rangers and helping them to their first Scottish title in 10 years. Uh, it would be really, really strange to see a Liverpool legend like Stevie G patrolling the sidelines over at, uh, at Goodison Park. But um, haven't heard any, anything else yet, but uh, they're clearly going to have to scramble. Uh, they probably weren't thinking that they were going to be having to get a new manager so soon. Uh, the, the whole thing with Everton, it's just... Yeah. It's a very stressful situation, and I mean, as far as far as Ancelotti goes, he he did what what, what had to be done, and as far as far as the whole thing goes, you know, uh, with Zidane no longer being at Real Madrid, a lot of people are concerned that this may end the chance of bringing Kylian Mbappe, and I thought the same thing, but but now that Carlo Ancelotti's there, it might actually bring the chances back again. It might even be better now because let's not forget Zinedine Zidane was Ancelotti's assistant at the time. Zidane learned a lot from Ancelotti. So in Mbappe's case, I mean, it's unfortunate you're not playing under Zidane, but now you're playing under the guy who Zidane learned a lot from. Like, you're playing with one of the greatest managers of all time. So, but as far as Mbappe goes, there's actually something I shared you on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, a sports writer wrote that it's actually very, very possible for Liverpool to get Kylian Mbappe. And if that's all true... And if Liverpool and Real Madrid want him so bad, you, you can expect a war between the two clubs over Mbappe. Well, I mean, they've been the two main suitors all along. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, clearly, they need a little bit of, of help at attack to go with Benzema over at Real Madrid. But they need, they need a lot of other help at other other parts on the team too. I think the, the midfield looked uh, fairly slow and ponderous in the semifinals. Uh, they were they were good enough against Liverpool in the quarterfinals, but uh, but to try to regain the La Liga title and to be a force in uh, the Champions League, you know they're clearly going to need to make some additions. They definitely will, and 
Real Madrid's future does look a bit brighter now with Carlo Ancelotti there because for both Ancelotti and Real Madrid, the important thing is they get something that they really need, and that's a fresh start. Indeed. All right, so now we got to get to the. We're going to talk a, a bit about the uh, Euro 2020 squads because I think as of today, all the squads are officially confirmed. Uh, as far as France goes, France's squad was confirmed a little bit back, and the big news out of that is that um, Karim Benzema is back with the club. But, you know, England uh, officially announced their squad today, and at first it was said that Trent Alexander Arnold would not be selected because of an injury. But he did turn out to make the team. But the bigger quite the bigger story is is that Jesse Lingard missed out. That was a surprise to me because Lingard's form with West Ham has been uh, nothing short of amazing since coming over. Uh, I'm frankly surprised that there's not room for him on the Southgate squad. Uh, Alexander Arnold, he's one of the best crossers of the ball in England. And uh, his play down the stretch, I know that his play was a little bit uneven uh, earlier on in the new year, but really since March, uh, Alexander Arnold's form has just been absolutely lights out. I think he's kind of peaking at a good time uh, for him to patrol uh, the right side of the defense and putting crosses in, uh, I, I just could not believe the possibility that Southgate would leave him off his squad. Well, to be fair, Gareth Southgate, much like Didier Deschamps, you know, he's got the very he's got the tough job because you know, much like France, England's very loaded as well. Well, Southgate has even said that if England doesn't make the semifinals at the Euros, that the tournament will have been a failure. He's already put that out there. Well, if, if he were to say that, that would that would indicate that if it doesn't happen, he would probably voluntarily resign. Well, I mean, look, England made the semifinals. Some people say they had kind of the, a little bit of the luck of the Irish, so to speak. But making it to the semifinals in the World Cup, I would argue that the England squad is even stronger now than what it was in Russia back in 2018. Oh, no question. I mean, France and England have only gotten stronger since 2018. And looking at the the English squad right now, um, you know, the forwards, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, man. Just like France, you know, a, a a very loaded front. And, you know, and... Looking at France, you know, now that I look at it, I, I feel like it might have been a mistake for Didier Deschamps to not select Ferland Mendy out of Real Madrid. It's, you know, it's so tight. I mean, France has enough where even even a French B-side would be, you know, pretty talented side to, to play against. But uh, but make no mistake, I mean, England England's good enough to, to win this thing. Oh, they they totally they totally are, and you no, know, and we should probably should have spoke about this earlier. But there's a couple of actually in, in, um, players who got selected for France, and I'm actually surprised. Marcus Turam, to be honest, I I didn't expect him to be called. And as a matter of fact, there's one dude who plays for Sevilla named Jules Kound. Never actually heard of the guy, and he got he got selected. He's one of the defenders. So I mean, 
it's always good to see some new faces because you know that's the French Football Federation. But but looking at the forwards, I mean, it's unbelievable. But I'm gonna be honest. I have a feeling that Engolo Conte is gonna be the MVP for France this season. I mean, I should say the MVP for for France at Euro 2020. Well, I think right now you'd have to argue that Conte is the best holding midfielder in the world right now. And uh, he just keeps going out there and he just keeps backing everything up with one great performance after another. You know, his uh, his performance on Saturday in Porto, it was just absolutely uh, a maestro's touch. Fantastic game. You know, I swear to God, this is how I describe Angelo Conte. A dude who's the nice, nicest guy in the world. But if you think that him being nice means that he's not that good, dude, he is going to make you pay for it big time. The dude destroyed Real Madrid, okay? And then he destroyed uh, Manchester City, okay? The dude, I mean, you know, a, a lot of the pundits describe him as the modern-day Claude Makaleli. Some will say, I mean, I've honestly believed, based on how he plays, he's got a little bit of Zizou in him. And, and that's something that I rarely say because I, I've said it many times. Nobody will ever be like Zidane, but I swear, Angelo Conte, that those penetration skills, the feet movement, the passing, the controlling of the ball, man, oh man, oh man, dude, this dude single-handedly destroyed Real Madrid twice. I mean, that's something. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's almost unheard of. It's nice to see Conte getting his mad props. Uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about you know Mbappe and Benzema. Uh, and Griezmann, and they are excellent players, but uh, Conte, Conte, in a lot of ways, he he reminds me a lot more of uh, Didier Deschamps when uh, he was playing with Marseille and Juventus. Uh, I mean, he just works his ass off. He just does an incredible amount of scut work, and he just makes his teammates a lot better. Just a humble guy. And last thing I say is, you know. The dude may be small, but like I said, if you underestimate him, well, you just made the biggest mistake of your life. But anyway, you know, I've been looking at more and more of these squads for Euro 2020, Steve, and as far as dark horses go, I think that Italy and the Netherlands are definitely the two teams that have to be considered worthy of being dark horses. Well, Italy is quietly rebuilt their team after, you know, the smoldering ashes of not qualifying for Russia in 2018. Uh, same as the Netherlands. The Netherlands uh, went from a third-place finish and um, beating the crap out of the hosts, Brazil, for the third-place game in 2014 to not making it to Russia either. But, uh, you know, Holland, Holland is Holland, and they've got you know, a ton of talent as well. And, um, you know, they're, that's a team that uh, can certainly give a lot of teams fits, you know, when they're when they're playing together and when they're on their game. Oh, totally. And unfortunately for the Netherlands, Virgil van Dijk will not be, will not be playing. Yeah, unfortunately, after that catastrophic injury, he's not going to be playing for a little while yet. So, um It'll be great to see him play for Liverpool again, but it's it's unfortunate for the Netherlands that he hasn't been able to get healthy enough where he could play in the central defense for for Holland. It's too bad. It's too bad indeed, and 
And, I, and I'm looking at the Portuguese club. I mean, uh, excuse me, the Portuguese squad, and uh, just another loaded team. You know, you got, you know, Bruno Fernandes in the midfield, Sergio Oliveira. You know, all the all these guys, and whoo, you know, this group of death. I mean, sometimes I'm asking myself, can France literally f- f- scratch and claw its way out of this group? But on paper, they definitely can. I mean, France has all that talent in the world. I mean, France has got enough talent to not only win the Euro, but they've got more than enough talent to retain their title next year in Qatar. The question is, will they get it together mentally? Because that, that's what—that's France for you. They have the talent, but not the focus. The same thing goes for England. So that, that, this, that question goes for both teams, for the three Lions and for the Bleu. Can they get it done mentally? I mean, can they get it done overall? Because if you have the talent, but if you, ha- if you don't have the mentality, there's no team chemistry then it's not going to get you anywhere. Like, you have the talent, but can they do something with it? Well, and I think uh, by adding Benzema to the squad, I think that it sends a message to his players that, you know, hey, you know, we're in it to win it. You know, we we're, I'm going to pick the very, very best guys that I can. And, um, you know, the... By all accounts, everything has been pretty positive from the players that Benzema is on the squad. Yeah, yeah, and it was confirmed that he and Deschamps, you know, when they spoke, and you know, everything there was never, never any animosity. Like it, as soon as they came in, you know, everything was good. So it's it's just it feels really good. I mean, even though like I like I've said we said last time that the whole thing. I mean, it's just good that they've reconciled. The whole thing is is behind them. It's time to move on, and it's time to keep Francis successful ways alive because France is you know France can keep going for for years and years and years as long as because you know I've explained this like what happened in 2010 France can't allow anything like that to ever happen again they can't allow any more big falling outs within the squad because the whole thing falls apart you got to rebuild from scratch and France doesn't want to go back to square one they want to stay like close to the summit of the mountain but yeah and, uh, and, I, and I'd like to. Th- this is the personal question for you, Steve. Like, uh, how do you think Scotland's going to do? Well, I don't see Scotland coming out of the group. Um, I think they'll probably try to give as competitive a game as possible against England. But I, I just don't see Scotland getting out of their group. I mean, that, that's unfortunate because this is Scotland's first Euro- European uh, Championship tournament since 1996, and. I'm gonna make I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make a lot of you feel old out there, but I was I was three years old the last time Scotland was in the Euro. Yeah, been a, been a little while, but you know we could always for 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 those of us Scotland supporters, you know we just we cross our fingers and we hope. Well, well, just saying, so you, know, you know. Well, regardless, I'm gonna be rooting for Scotland too because you know I want I want to see Scotland succeed. But anyway. So that just about wraps it up. I, I'm I gotta make a first of all. I got a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, I know that a lot of you are pro wrestling fans. I'm sure that you guys have been re- listening to Wrestling with a Bear. I'd like to announce that as of tonight, the second T-shirt has come out, and the second T-shirt kind of represents me directly. So for some of you folks that know who I am, you definitely want to get that T-shirt. And number two, just so everybody knows, we will be covering Euro 2020 on this show. So that's that's gonna start pretty soon. Anything uh, anything else you want to say, Steve? Nothing, nothing else. 
Nothing else. Everybody have a good rest of your week. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, before we officially let you go, Internet FC is available to you on all social media. I should say, I should say, excuse me, all streaming platforms. And it's also available to you on YouTube. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you all next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.